Talking Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. All right, Nick, we have a big intro to live up this week, so I'm going to need you to be at your best today. I know. I think I think we need to be at our best because that's that intro is really cool. But I'm going to keep that uh, the the music from before, like the intro from before, as the outro, just in case anyone wants to uh, rock out to that music. Uh, it's still going to be there at the end. I think it was pretty popular on iTunes and Spotify, so I'm sure people will still be listening to it. But Nick, it's like when you, an NHL player has a big contract. So I need you to be naming off every single defenseman on Austria today. I need you to have the correct pronunciations oh on those defensemen. We need you to be have your A game today. Yeah, that that one it might you might need uh, I might need a, a bit of time to to learn the pronunciation. But I definitely know every single player by heart, their handedness, and uh, what city they're from. Perfect, perfect. So this is going to be a good episode. I think we've got a lot to talk about today. World Junior season is upon us, and we randomly have some NHL news to get to as well. So I did want to start with the World Juniors, Nick. It's been a bit of a weird tournament so far. Most teams have played about two games. Uh, I think Sweden's just played the one. But for most teams, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. I would say Sweden took care of business against the Czechs. I'd say Finland's kind of looked as expected with their two wins against weaker competition. But, you know, Canada had a blowout against Germany and then just barely held on against Slovakia. The States lost to Russia. Uh, then Russia obviously beat the States, but lost to the Czechs. So it's been a bit of a mixed bag for most of these teams here. Um, what are your takeaways through two games thus far? Yeah, it's tough to have takeaways just because it's been a small sample, but and it's only been two games. But I guess that's what makes these tournaments fun. It's it's a quick tournament. Uh, you got to bring your A game, and you know if if you have some bad luck, it might bite you. So as we saw with the Russians last night, to a certain extent. So. Um, Thus far, it's just nice to have hockey back, but that that Czech game last night has completely put Group B uh, into a spiral. So the next couple days uh, for the rest of round robin in that Group B is going to be fun. Group A, I think it's kind of exactly what we've expected. Obviously, the Slovak-Canada game was a little bit closer than we expected, but, um, you know, the the 16-2 one, I don't think uh, people were surprised that Germany didn't win that game. Yeah, I think it's going to be, as you said, it is going to be interesting Group B because if Canada's the one seed, they would play the four seed from the other division. So if a team like, you know, I think we all expected it to be the Czechs, but if it happens to be a team like the U.S. or a team like Sweden or even Russia, like we could see a really strong quarterfinal matchup. And as a a Canada fan, I don't really want to see that. But uh, it, it certainly has been uh, quite more even. I think Kirby Dak's injury kind of leveled the playing field a bit. Um, but Nick, and I do want to, I guess, be cautious just before we, we get started here talking about players. Um, you know, you look at past tournaments and who's won MVP. I think Jesse Pugliarvi, Casey Middlestat, Ryan Paling all won. And, you know, none of them are really great NHLers yet. And then you look at someone like Kale McCarr, who was, you know, a seventh defenseman for Canada, couldn't get in the lineup for some reason and is now one of the top young defensemen in, in the game. So I do want to be just just before we get dive into the players here, uh, just a little bit of, a I guess, a disclaimer on the World Juniors. We do want to be a little bit cautious in terms of the evaluation, especially through you know one game or two games. But who's really caught your eye thus far? Let's put the least prospects aside. 
um, just to start. Is there been anyone um, on any team? I'll, I'll open up to any team, Nick, who's really caught your eye so far. Yeah, I'll quickly touch upon that line you said about um, you know taking conclusions from this tournament. Like as I said before, it is a very small sample. Uh, and I think there is something to be said about the difference between someone who's a better prospect and someone who's just a little further along their development. Um, like, for example, I look at a guy like Ronnie Hervinen, who right now might not be having the best tournament, but you know, I still have him higher than a guy like Topi Nimala, who by points and just how he's playing is having a lot better of a tournament. Uh, I still have Hervinen as a better prospect going forward, but I think that they're probably a lot closer in where they are right now. So I think that's also playing a, a big part in it. Like it's a huge development curve and, and a huge kind of journey from when they get drafted to the NHL player, like that end product. And the World Juniors just happens to be kind of plopped in the middle. So uh, it's very tough to get you know huge conclusions on what type of a prospect they are just from a two-week tournament. So I'll say that in terms of the some players, some non-Leafs uh, that have really impressed me. Like, Marat Kuznadinov, like, I thought a lot of the Russians last night uh, weren't really playing too well, um, Amirov included. And I thought I thought Marat was excellent. Like, I thought he was really pushing the play. I thought that whenever he was on the ice, Russia was, was doing good things. Um, and, and he was kind of one of those guys that was really... Like, they didn't really have many creative players last night, and, and Russia doesn't really in general. Uh, but I thought Kuznadinov was really kind of trying to be a difference maker and trying to break down that Czech defense because there just wasn't a lot of Russian players that could and that were willing to try. A lot of them, I thought, as the game went on, they were just, they were just trying to play it safe, throw pucks towards the net and hope for the best. But I thought Murat was, was really trying to break down that defense all night. Um, another guy would be Tim Stutzla. Tim Stutzla, geez. Um, you know, Germany didn't really have many chances against Canada. Uh, in that 16-2 game, but it felt like every time that they were in the offensive zone, like it was either Paterka or Stutzla that was kind of the, the culprit behind it. So I thought he was, was great in that game and obviously in the Finland game. So those are the two main kind of, you know, guys from this draft that have really impressed me. Um, other guys, obviously Byram, he's my, he was pre-tournament. I thought that he was going to be the MVP of the tournament isn't really getting the points that might push him towards that, but I think he's been really good, and he's really stood out in those Canada games. Uh, have those three impressed you, or do you have other guys as well, Kevin? Um, I would have said Stutzla. I think he, even though, I mean, his plus-minus isn't all that good, of course, after that Canada <laughs> loss, but uh, I think he's just looked so fast, so skilled, like he did last year as well. Um, so I put him on that list. Kuzindinov looks fast. Um, obviously, I think from Russia, we want to see more offensively. And the next game, I believe, against Austria. So we might see more uh, in terms of offense from Kusindinov. But yeah, he's been pretty good. Um, Byram's been okay. Uh, I thought he was a little bit of a slow start. But uh, he looked he looked better uh, in their last game against Slovakia. Um, the, the real standouts for me, I think Trevor Zagris, I'd have to put number one. He just looks ridiculously talented, as he always has. Um, I was pretty high on him in the 2019 draft, but I think I'd be even higher today. Uh, I do think that he might end up on the wing like he is now, um, but he's just such a dynamic offensive player. He looks like the most dangerous scorer uh, at the tournament. He's in just a highlight real passer, um, and he's he's really worked on his shot. He's had a couple goals like posting in. Um, he just looks like when he has the puck, something's going to happen. So I think right now, if I had to pick a tournament MVP, 
I know it's just been two games. I'd have to go with Zagres. He just looks like the most dangerous player. Tim Stutzla, as you said, looks probably the second most dangerous player. Um, I think those two have really caught my eye. I've really liked Anton Lindell on Finland. Finland's really the only team that's had two solid games thus far. Um, at least kind of they've kind of been as expected. So I put Lundell in there. He can just really drive a line. I, I thought that line just dominated their last game. Um, and then on Canada, I know Dylan Cousins had a bunch of points. You know, I don't really put too much stock into that and in such a blowout win against Germany, but I do think Cousins has looked good. I think Alex Newhook has looked good. I really like them together. Uh, I think Mercer's looked pretty good. Drysdale's looked pretty good. And then I like Phil Tomasino and, and Peyton Krebs as well. So um, quite a few standouts. I thought Broberg was pretty good in that Sweden game. I think Caulfield's looked dangerous, although, you know, he had no points in that 11, <laughs> 11 goal win. Uh, I think Boldy's looked pretty good. But I, I would say that most of the the clear standouts have been from the 2019 draft and not from the 2020 draft so far. Now, it is very early. Um, we've, we, we haven't really seen a big enough sample for someone to really stand out, but uh, those are the players that have, have really caught my eye thus far. Yeah, I don't think you can you can argue that Zegris has been absolutely amazing. Um, I love that little spin move he does. I think it's so dangerous. He does it so well, um, and it doesn't feel like he really forces it. Um, every time he does it, it's almost like that was the perfect thing that he could do in that scenario. Um, Anton Lundell, of course, I he's he's been very good with Finland, um, like very skilled, and I, I like watching him with with uh, Hervinen. I'm gonna get to Hervinen in a bit. Uh, a bit later um not a big fan of him on the wing but it is nice to see him with a talent like anton lundell so definitely cannot knock those picks yeah so just to go through the 2020 draft thus far i guess let's let's start with amirov so i think he's looked just about as advertised this far he looked like he might get hurt last game but he ended up being okay so that was kind of a relief but I'll just say right off the bat, like his team has played some pretty good competition. They started off with a pre-tournament game against Canada. They then played the U.S. Um, and then, obviously, in, in last night's game, they played this Czech team that really played the trap effectively, and really the whole team got nothing going. So, yes, part of that's on Amirov, but you know, listening to Canucks fans c- complain about Vasily Colson right now is a very good player. Um, I think we just need to kind of take a deep breath there and uh, and, and let let the tournament continue. I'm sure they're going to put up a bunch of points against Austria in their next game. Um, but just going through the list, like, so I tweeted this out last night, Nick. So 17 of the top 20 players um, from the 2020 draft, the top 20 picks, rather, 17 of the 20 are playing in this tournament. So Lafreniere is not because he's, frankly, too good for this tournament. Uh, Seth Jarvis was a late cut on a very deep Canada team. And Lucas Reichel's not playing. I believe it's due to due to the COVID and COVID protocols. So um, the other 17 are playing. Um, I would say that the guys that have stood out, I would say four guys have kind of impressed me so far. Tim Stutzla. I think Jamie Drysdale's been very solid. Uh, I would say that Lundell, as I was saying, has been very solid. And I think Dawson Mercer has been good. I don't know if he's been amazing. I think you know the German goalie made a bunch of mistakes that kind of helped him. Uh, but he's been pretty good as well. The other, I guess it would be 13 players, I don't think have really stood out yet or, or really, you know, changed 
anything from from what I thought of them pre-draft. Everyone kind of looks as expected. I'm not all of a sudden thinking, okay, the Leafs. I really wish the Leafs would have taken Dylan Holloway. I really wish they would have taken Caden Gooley. Um, I, I still think you know Amir has been as expected. He's been a good two-way forward. Generated a ton of takeaways against against the states. He's he's good for entries. Um, I was saying like. The, the profile of Amirov on draft day was kind of nuts. Like, I don't know how he got this reputation as a small, skilled player. Like, he is a 6'1", two-way forward. He's going to be on your top penalty kill unit. He's going to generate takeaways and help you with entries. And he kind of has to round out his offensive game. He's taking a few too many low-danger chances for my liking. I think he's got to work on his playmaking a bit. You know, part of that is probably the fact that his KHL team is really risk-averse. But... One thing I'll say, too, about this World Juniors, like, I've seen this tournament, like, three times now. Like, this is very similar to the rosters from the Under-18 tournament or the Helenka tournament. Like, we've seen Amirov, Podkols, and Askarov versus, you know, Caulfield, Zagris, and States. And we've seen them against, like, Krebs, Newhook on, on Canada. We've seen these guys play before. So, for me, it's more like this is two, three games out of out of 20. Um, and I know a lot of Leafs fans are just seeing like these prospects play for the first time or the first couple times here, but like we, we know Amirov can score a bit at, at, at this at these best on best events. I really have no concerns today to like the two way game. I do want to see Russia uh, play better. I thought last night's game was incredibly frustrating. We both funny funny enough we both tweeted out that it reminded us of the of the Leafs Columbus series. Um, so I, I think we just need to be patient. He's been good. Uh, kind of a solid 15th pick. I don't I don't think he's looked like a steal, like a guy that should have went top five or something, but um, just he's been as expected, I would say. Yeah, I would add uh, Askarov to that list of, of guys that have really stood out. I don't think that he should have gone any higher than 11, uh, but I do think that he's been definitely better than most of the other uh, top 20 picks of this year. Um, you know, I definitely agree with the other four that you, you mentioned there, but I would add Askarov too. When it comes to Amirov, I think yesterday he looked a bit off. I don't know if it was because of that hit, um, but I thought his timing was a little bit off. He was turning the puck over a little bit more than expected. Um, in the third period, actually, uh, I thought that he kind of came alive to a certain extent. Um, I just felt like he was timid all game. And then in that third period, he kind of was asking for the puck a lot more, was looking like he wanted to really break down that check defense um, and he wanted to be the guy who did it it's funny because one of his better shifts um, it actually ended up with the checks first goal I don't think that he was involved at all like it wasn't his fault at all um, I think it was more on Shakir another top 20 pick but um, yeah you know with Amirov it's only been two games so let like you know we're not going to have any sort of large conclusions from these two games I think that you know he's been generating a ton of takeaways positionally off the puck um, in the defensive zone in the neutral zone he's been fine um, you know I think people expected with that pod Coles and uh, Marat line especially in that first game um, it, there was going to be some fireworks and, and we didn't really see it to to a certain extent and then in the second game they broke him up so things are still on the go it's only two games in we're not going to kind of say it's a bad pick but you know I think he like you said he's been at, as advertised um, and I do still like watching him, you know, carry the puck, and I, I think he was a good pick. So um, I still think he's going to have a good tournament. So I'm going to start with Askarov. I know he hasn't allowed many goals, but I think he's looked so shaky in there, and his team's been so good defensively. Um, like, I just – I haven't been impressed with him at all. Really? Uh, yeah, I think every time 
he makes a save. He's like scaring me right now. He's super athletic. He's always been super athletic with the pad saves, but man, he's he's overplaying the puck. He's it seems like he's fighting the puck at times. I I have not liked what I've seen of him, even though he's the numbers are there so far. Um, in terms of Russia, like they've played three games if you count the pre-tournament game, they've been shut out in two of them. So I mean, as an offensive player. I think you could take your pick at any forward. I'd put Kuzindinov, I'd put Pod Coles in, really any of them. I don't think anyone's really stood out offensively for them thus far. That's just the nature of getting shut out in, in two or three games. Um, I, I do think that Russia had a pretty solid start, even though they're a low-scoring team. Like, one nothing against Canada, they really held their own. I think that was a pretty good game for them, uh, even though that was pre-tournament. And then the U.S. game... A lot of their offense came on USA's mistakes. I know Sanderson had a turnover that wasn't 100% his fault. And then Spencer Knight had a turnover that led to a goal. They, they were kind of opportunistic, mm-hmm. kind of capitalizing on the state's mistakes. But they were really strong defensively. Uh, their, their forwards were playing a really strong two-way game. Uh, I did see a lot of big mistakes from their defensemen in, in the game against Czechs. Shakir being uh, the big culprit. I thought Sheikha also made a pretty big mistake just shooting the puck into shin pads. Uh, it was a very frustrating game. I do think that Russia needs... Like, I was really impressed with their with uh, Lirianov in the first two games, and then I was not impressed with him last night. Power play looked weak. They were relying so much on point shots. Uh, I do want to get into just the similarities between that Russia game and, and the Leafs-Columbus series a bit later, Nick, but um, I do think that there has been... You know, we, we talk about how... I would say four of, of 17 top 20 picks have stood out. There is another standout from that draft, I would say, and that would be a Leafs prospect taken in the third round, Topi Nimala. Can, can we agree that he stood out thus far? Yeah, he's been excellent. You know, he's he right now is top five in points with four, uh, four points in two games. Um, you know, and points aren't everything when it comes to defensemen, but I think Topi Nemo has really thrived in, in the rest of the game. He's been moving the puck up uh, very, very effectively. He's been uh, he's been defending his line well. He's been t- defending in his own end well. Now, with Topi Nemo, like, I think there is a bit of... Like, we got to pump the brakes a little bit. Like, I've been seeing some some pretty hot takes saying that Nemo is a better prospect than guys that were drafted a lot higher than him. Um so I do think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. He's right now in the third pair. Uh, I wouldn't say he's being sheltered right now, but he's definitely not getting the top competition on the other team. Uh, three of his assists have come on the power play, and they were assists, two of which he didn't really do much. Like There was the one with the drop pass yesterday where, now I can't remember his name, uh, went end-to-end uh, and scored, so he didn't really do much there. But I almost look at the points as, as almost like a cherry on top, and, and you know... Every time he's on the ice, Finland is, is in the offensive zone, especially at 5-on-5. Five five. So, you know, I'm almost just attributing this to good karma, good hockey karma. Um, but, you know, I tweeted before the tournament, right before the, 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 the first exhibition game, that I think a lot of Leaf fans are going to fall in love with Topi Nimala. I definitely didn't expect him to be this type of point production, but just the way he plays, the way he defends... Um, how calm he is on the puck and how dynamic his skating is. I think that he's just the perfect recipe for for a guy for, for Leafs Twitter to kind of fall in love with. But uh, he's definitely surprised me in terms of the point production. But in terms of how he's played, it, it really hasn't surprised me. I think he's a really good player. Um, 
think he he kind of fell to the in the Leafs lap with that second pick in that Ottawa trade. So uh, you know I've really enjoyed him playing like the way he's been playing and and uh, hopefully he can continue racking up some points. But I, I don't like I definitely don't think he I didn't think he was going to be a point per game player. But it's nice to see. Not just point per game, double he's double. Per game, right? I know like he's it's classic Nimala. <laughs> well. We did our prospect draft uh, earlier this week, and Nick randomly compares him to Drew Doughty in his prime, which was a little bit out there. But now I'm thinking that wasn't enough. That, that, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't far enough. I think we got to go to Lindstrom in his prime now. Wow. I think the points are so the points are pretty fluky. Like that's not going to continue forever. But I do think he's a good prospect. I do think that. Uh, he should. I did not think he was gonna go to the third round whatsoever. I thought maybe late first, uh, likely early second, possibly late second. Um, I did not think he'd fall to third. He just normally guys that defend well just don't last that long. Um, and Nick, actually, we had recorded a podcast, a mailbag, a while back, and you know it's funny we had. I had Amirov as the guy I wanted in the first round, but then we did candidates for the 44th pick, and both Hervinen and Nimala were, were listed. And, you know, it turns out they got both. So that was just kind of almost free money. Like, you should have probably had to take your pick between the two with the 44th pick, or, or someone like Jan Misak, for example. Um, but the fact they got both, I mean, let's face it, that was a really dumb trade for Ottawa. Um, and the Leafs took advantage. So that looks great. I do actually have him as a better prospect than Hervinen. Uh They were back-to-back in my draft rankings, so they were essentially tied. Uh, I have been much more impressed with Nimala thus far. Nimala was also very good at the Five Nations tournament. I believe it was the Five Nations tournament. Um, we're the same type of, you know, he's an effective puck mover, playing on the power play. Uh, I didn't know if he'd be playing on the power play in this tournament, but he's looked good there. He's been a good puck mover. Um, I don't think, like, I think if I'm coaching Finland, I just want to keep him away from uh, Vinny, Vili Hanola because I think you want to separate your puck movers. Um, Hervinen, I find, you know, his line is going to dominate. I do think that him on the wing of Lundell and, and playing with Samotsoval as well, that's a really good line. I thought they were excellent in their last game. Um, they are kind of taking a ton of penalties, the two of them. They're, they're <laughs> goons out there. Um, I do have concerns about the lack of explosiveness. Um, he does look slow out there. He is skilled. He is smart. Um, I do think I actually like him on the wing. Um, I've been used to seeing him at center. I think I'd like him more on the wing just in terms of projecting to the NHL level because he's smaller and he's a bit slow. So it's tough to it's going to be tough to stick at center there. Uh, I do wonder what he would look like, though, driving his own line. I, I just wonder how if he could do it and how it would look. I've been really impressed with Brad Lambert on that team. He's a 2022 eligible player. Uh, he's going to be a top five pick, if not a top three pick. Uh, he's looked outstanding. But I do think that, like, Hervinen is going to be in a position to rack up some points here, and he came very, very close in that last game uh, because that that line is, is – that they can compete with Canada, like any Canadian line. Lindell is, a, is an excellent play driver. Hervinen's skilled. He's a good playmaker. Uh, he goes to the net, and Samotoval is very skilled as well. He's he's always scored for for Finland at, at international tournaments. So uh, I have that like that line. 
I know, like, they're just rolling three D pairings for the most part. Finland, like, Nima's getting a regular shift. He's getting time on, on the, on the power play. I just think, like, the Leafs really praised his, you know, defensive instincts at the draft, and I think I like. So we know they they like his defensive game. I think he's been really strong as a puck mover and a skater. He's always been a good skater. Um, so I think he's been one of the best 2020 picks thus far. I'm not saying he should have been a first-rounder, but I do think like he, he certainly should have been a second-round pick and probably an early second-round pick. And, you know, the Leafs just got great value in, in the third round. So I've been very impressed with Emil. He's probably been the biggest bright spot uh, for Leafs fans thus far. And I do think some, some points are on the horizon for Hervinen as well. Yeah, he Nemo has definitely been the, the clear standout out of the Leafs prospects. Um, but when it comes to Hervinen, you know, I, I think I, I personally don't really like watching him on the wing in a vacuum. I think that that line it has been obviously very good. Uh, and it's nice to see him play with a guy like Lindell. But just in terms of Hervinen's play, I personally like seeing him at center as well. Uh, not saying that I, I think he should or would be a, a center, you know, if and when he gets to the NHL level. Uh, I think that in terms of his skating, he does need to get a lot faster um, to if he ever wants to become an NHL center. But but just like so much of Hervinen's strengths are his positioning and how hard he works off the puck. And and I think that when he's on the wing, he can't really use that as well as, as much as he as he does with Asat in Finland. Like when he's been, when he's in Finland and he's playing center, like he's all over the ice, he's getting involved um, in all three zones. And and when he's on the wing, I feel like he's kind of waiting. Um, and he, and just as a result, he looks a lot slower, and he just he doesn't look as effective as he does as he does in Finland. So um, another thing that I had a gripe with was where he was on the power play. Um, yesterday, Finland and in the first game, they had him on the half wall. Uh, I thought that he looked awkward there. Uh, and he just wasn't really effective. And then as soon as they put him in front of the net, which is kind of his office, they scored. They, they put it down low to him. He made that nice one-touch pass, and then they scored. I, I think he looks a lot more comfortable there. Um, and I hope that they keep him in front of that net on the power play. But um, other than that, I think hervin has been kind of as expected. I wouldn't say that he's impressed. I wouldn't say that he's played bad, but he's just kind of been there. Um, when it comes to Miko Kokkinen, I'm really not surprised. Uh, if you listen to the Prospect podcast, um, I said that I wasn't as high on him as, as other people are. And I, I think this tournament thus far is kind of showing why. Uh, I think he's a steady puck mover. I don't really think he's a standout like Topi Nimala. Um, he's been solid defensively, which is exactly what we expected. And that offensive upside or, or offensive ability hasn't really been there. So... You know, I'm kind of more on the cautious side when it comes to defensive defensemen um, as prospects because I just think it's so much harder to project them into the NHL, uh, especially if they're not, you know, huge puck movers, which which I don't think Kokkinen is. I think he's just kind of a comfortable puck mover, but I don't think he makes really big plays. So, um, you know, he's 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 been okay, I would say, Miko Kokkinen. Yeah, he looks like he's going to be a, like he's a valuable player for Finland. Like he is going to be able to play shutdown minutes. And he's looked good on the penalty kill. And when they go and play like top teams like Canada, USA, and they're trying to win one nothing, like he is meant for that. So I, I do think it, it is kind of nice to have a a few prospects in the system that are more defensive defensemen. Uh, I do think that there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to improve as a puck mover. Um, 
if if he's going to have any sort of impact at the NHL level. Like, I could see him maybe being like a number six that kills penalties, and um, you know, you, you can play when you when you have a lead. But if he's going to be a, impactful, if he's going to be any like if he's going to move the dial or, or have you know a, a, quite a bit of a difference, he is going to have to improve his puck mover. I do think he's a step below as a prospect of as Hervinen or 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 Nimala. Um, so I, I mean, I haven't been overly impressed with him. Yeah, I think he's been steady. Um, I think Hervinen, I I still like him on the wing. I think he's fine on the half boards. He's done that in international tournaments. He can play the net front as well, and he he had that nice assist. Um, so I don't know what they'll do with him there. It'll be interesting. I do just like watching him with Lundell Simontoval because it's like. They're going to come out. You're going to see them get a bunch of scoring chances. And I do want to see, you know, the Leafs prospects in the offensive zone a ton. Uh, I do kind of question how he's going to be in terms of a play driver up the middle. I know he's he kind of gets outshot in, in, in Liga uh, when he's on the ice. Um, I don't know, you know, maybe if he plays with Lambert, um, you know, maybe he'd be an okay second-line center. But I, I do really like his skill. I do think he can, he can add a lot of offense on that top line, and, and they need to score. So... Hervin, we'll see. I think Emil has been um, the, the, the clear standout in terms of least prospects thus far. Um, and then, I don't know. Like, I, I think Finland is... It's kind of a bad setup this year where Finland seems like they're destined to be number two in the group with Canada number one in the group. And then, really, all the entertainment comes from the other group with USA, Russia, Sweden. So, it, it's kind of frustrating because i want to see amirov against like i like to see him play switzerland or i'd like to see him play slovakia you know just like for a game or two um instead we're kind of seeing amirov play all these really strong teams and then we're seeing him play austria so um you know i would kind of like more balanced groups if i'm going to nitpick this tournament here but uh in terms of i guess the other prospect that we were kind of hoping to see more but never really got to see would be Mikhail Abramov. What are your thoughts on, I guess, Russia scratching him? I know he played the pre-tournament game, and that was about it. And do you think we're going to see him in their next game against Austria? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not really going to step out of my, I guess, my strengths here. Like, in terms of them scratching Abramov, like, I really don't know too many of the Russian players, like, in that bottom six for to really have a strong opinion on whether they should or should not be uh, scratching Abramov but when it comes to Abramov and I look at his personal skill set very creative loves breaking down defenses in the queue he has has a pretty good shot just just an offensive skill set and I look at that game last night against the Czech Republic like they could have really used a guy like that a guy that can break down defenses has the creativity to to do that um so I think that he should have been in the lineup just from looking at it that way. I don't know, really know too much about the guys they had instead. Um, but, but yeah, you know, I, I really do think that he should have played. And, and going back to that Columbus-Toronto comparison like that, and the fact that I, I really wanted Nick Robertson to play in that game five over a guy like Kyle Clifford because I felt like they could use an NHL shot like Robertson in that bottom six and a game-breaker like Nick Robertson. And, and that shot was very important because... It was difficult to get high danger chances against um, Columbus because of how tight they were defensively. So having Robertson there that could potentially score from the hash marks or or anywhere, kind of he, then 
that's important. So for a similar reason, I think that Abramov's skill set could have been used last night against a very stingy Czech Republic team. Yeah, I want to get into that game uh, for sure. So it's funny, it's hilarious that we both tweeted the same thing. Um, I do think that Russia looks just like the Leafs. Like they play that possession game where they're circling back, nothing's there. You know, there are some positives there. I do think that um, like both teams were far too on the outside, far too many point shots. They both had mistake-prone defensemen. Like Muka Madula and Sheikha made some pretty big mistakes. In that game, I think you look at the Leafs' defense. Marinson was playing in the playoffs. Barry, I think Hall had a couple of mistakes in the playoffs. Cody Cece. Um, so there's some similarities there. They're both kind of facing that team that collapses and just keeps everything to the outside. Um, it felt like the D had the puck and did nothing. And I know like we were getting deja vu from that. But one thing that really frustrated me, I there were a couple things that I think, a couple mistakes I think that Keith and the coaching staff did in that series. Um, one was I didn't like that they stacked the top line. I thought, you know, they had no scoring depth. It felt like kind of Russia was the same thing where their third, fourth line goes out there and they don't have that many chances. Um, but the other thing would be, like, you have to play differently when you're the favorite. So for Russia, when Russia's playing Canada, Russia's playing U.S., maybe they're the underdog. Maybe they're okay with a one nothing game and they'll take their chances that they're the one with the one goal. So... When they're playing Canada-USA, I can kind of get why you'd scratch Abramov, who I think is a little bit questionable defensively. Maybe you're saying, okay, we're going to be the best defensive team possible, and we're going to try to win one nothing. Fine. But you can't do that against Czechs. When you're the favorite, I want to see you have your offensive players out there. I want to see Abramov. That team needs playmaking. You need someone who can score a goal or, or set up a high-danger chance. And they were really lacking that. So I think when you're the favorite, you got to play someone like Mikhaila Bramov. I know that they were probably hesitant after, you know, they have a big win against USA. They don't want to change anything. But I do think you need to alter your game plan. For the Leafs, what really frustrated me in that series was they're the favorite. And they play Martin Marinson over Rasmus Sandin. Like, if you want to put Marinson in there to be your, you know, seventh defenseman kill penalties, fine. But, like... It was almost like the Leafs were, were saying, okay, we know we've had some huge defensive problems in years past. Our sole focus is to fix that, and we don't care about offense. Because that whole series, they had defensemen who couldn't advance the puck, right? Like, their whole game plan was, okay, we're going to let our defensemen jump in, but then the defensemen they did have couldn't really do anything. So I thought that was frustrating, um, especially I think Tyson Berry got hurt in the last game, and then they're going, like, five defensemen obviously Muzzin was out already um but when you have like like Hall is an amazing def- offensively you have CC, you have Marinson you just had so many guys where they get the puck and and they can't create and I think Rasmus Sandin really could have helped them there especially when you're down a goal I just think that both teams kind of struggled to adjust their style when you know the Leafs are used to being the underdog against Boston every year and Russia is used to being the underdog against these top teams they've played in Canada, USA. When they're the favorite, they didn't adjust their game. And I think you're left with this low event, boring hockey, where you know you let the Czechs play this this low event. You know we're we're not gonna have that many high danger chances in the game. And then of course they're they're gonna just they capitalize on the big mistakes Russia makes. And and sure enough, you got a you know a, a two or three goal win. I guess if you count the empty netter. 
Um, but it was such a frustrating game, just like the the you the Toronto Columbus series, and I think we both had deja vu there. Yeah, um, few things here. So, completely agree with what you're saying there about like you're almost making life easier for the worst team. Like even now, exactly. Like exactly. You're you're for example, like now Corey Perry just got signed to Montreal. We're probably skipping segments a little bit, and I'm already seeing on Twitter where it's like. Oh well, when we play Montreal, yeah, they have Corey Perry now. They have Josh Anderson. They have all these tough guys. Uh, they got Edmondson, whatever. But we are going to be able to compete the Leafs by putting out Simmons and Bogosian and all these guys. Like if I'm Sheldon Keith, Zach Bogosian is not playing against Montreal. Like you have Miko Letton in there and Travis Dermott there, because that's what your that's what your strengths are. Like, don't don't make it easier for Montreal, for example, and put out a guy like Zach Bogosian and play the game that they want to play. Like, you have to outskill a team like Montreal when they come in the building and say, so that they start thinking, oh, well, Corey Perry, yeah, he's adding all this this toughness, but can he hang with these types of guys with a with a skilled bottom six like the Leafs have? So, it's exactly kind of what what the Leafs did in that last series where they played guys like Kyle Clifford, which I think if you do have an element of grit, that is fine. Um, but in that last game, I really think that Nick Robertson could have been there because that's putting an element that Columbus doesn't have in their bottom six, and he's a difference maker. And it's making it like like just playing Cloud Clifford there and having a um, and loading up that top line. It's literally playing right in the hands of what Columbus wants to do, which is have a low event game, and virtually you you just got to shut down that top line, and for the rest of it, you you are just allowing time to, to virtually pass. So completely agree on, on that front there. It's, it's, it is a frustrating thing. And another weird thing that just occurs in sports, and it happens in soccer all the time, because this type of strategy has occurred for years where one team is needs possession and they want the ball, and the other team doesn't want the ball. They, they have no problem sitting back and countering. Um, there was actually a really good example of this yesterday. Um, where Liverpool played a team called West Brom. And West Brom literally sat back all game, 11 guys behind the ball. And it almost happened for like 20, 30 minutes where Liverpool scored. And even after they scored, they sat back, they sat back. End of the game, West Brom scores, they tie the game. And, you know, now I think we're starting to see that in hockey where teams like Columbus literally have no problem sitting back all game and and limiting high danger chances. Uh, But one thing I will say is I don't, Maybe I have some, I had deja vu yesterday from the Columbus uh, Toronto series, but at the end of the game where it was like, that was perfect hockey, like a perfect game for the Czechs. Like, I don't like glorifying that type of hockey. Like, I, I find that it's boring. I don't know if, do you find that too? Like everyone was, was I think Czechs definitely deserve praise, but I, I wouldn't call that perfect hockey. Well, I mean, I think what Ferrer was saying too, like he wants Russia to do well because he wants that style of hockey to be encouraged because it's more entertaining. Now, I do think Czechs played their game well. I think that's exactly what they were trying to do. Ideally, I would like that to not work so that we don't see it as often. Exactly, uh, yeah. Because it, it certainly makes the game very, very boring. I do think it does remind me of soccer, as you said, where one team is just playing the counterattack game, not the possession game. That's what it's, it seemed like. Um, I think there's plenty of things from that Leaf series too, where it was like, you know, Nylander's hasn't played center all year, and all of a sudden he's at center, and he has really like 
iffy line mates. I thought Kyle, like, I know people were getting mad that we wanted to scratch Kyle Clifford, but they needed all the scoring they could get. Like, I would just have geared up and said, okay, if you're going to play shutdown hockey, we're throwing all our best offensive players out there, and we're going to make, like, we're going to find a way to score. Like, I, I think you got to try, like, when you're the favorite, you got to just play differently. You can't be trying to win one nothing. That's just my take. I know we seem to be in agreement there, Nick. But Definitely. We do have some breaking news to get to here, Nick. Just happened. Calais Costola. I has knew been that was coming. <laughs> on waivers. Do you need a minute, or, or can we continue? I just don't know how the Marlies are going to recover from that. Well, let's see. I think he'll, he'll probably pass. So we'll be okay. But <laughs> do we need to take a break, or, or can we move on here? I'm uh, I'm gonna lose sleep over that one. Okay, well, all the best to you. I wish you the best in your uh, sleeping endeavors. Uh, but I do want to get to uh, just a few other things just from around the NHL. Um, so there has been a, a weird amount of action lately. I don't know. The NHL offseason was so weird where everything happens in the first few days and then literally nothing happened for months. And now it's almost like it's, you know, I wasn't on Canada Day this year, but it's almost like we're getting Canada Day all over again. Um, I guess there were some big signings for Christmas. Uh, Mike Hoffman going to the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, a bit of a weird deal that's a professional tryout that, that seems to be kind of uh, like a handshake agreement uh, for a one-year deal. We saw guys like Granlund and Halla go to Nashville. As you said earlier, Corey Perry goes to Montreal. Uh, we saw the Sens make a bunch of trades with Stepan, and, and uh, they got Coburn Paquette from, from Tampa as well. Any thoughts just on the any of these moves on the NHL offseason in general and uh, with Mike Hoffman going to the Blues? My thought, and I'll just leave you with this here, I'm kind of glad that all these these good free agents are, are going to other divisions. Yeah, when it comes to Ottawa, though, it's starting to get almost eerie um, to how much they're copying our... Like, all the bad moves that the Leafs made during the rebuild, it's almost like Ottawa's trying to to emulate only the bad moves. Um, getting Zaitsev, <laughs> getting Hainsey, they got Connor Brown. Not saying those were bad moves, but definitely some were. Um, and now, like, they're trading away second picks for for aging centers. Like, I thought that was something that we did for Brian Boyle and Thomas Bulkanitz, but now Ottawa's doing that with Stepan. So it's starting to get a bit too eerie for my liking. Yeah, I think, like... Ottawa gets this weird praise. Like, if you're, like, the worst, one of the worst teams and you do anything, like, any yeah. sort of addition, all of a sudden people are like, oh, they're going to be a surprise this year. No, they're not. This team is brutal. They have no puck movers on the back end. They have they have Thomas Chabot, maybe someone like Branstrom plays, but, like, I know they have good Branson probably playing with Chabot. Now they're adding Coburn. Uh, they already have Zaitsev back there. I kind of like Josh Brown, to be honest. Like, I think he's a fine third-pairing guy. But, like, they're going to be a fr- – like, I know they're going to be, quote-unquote, tough to play against and physical and tough. But that's a team where you're going to be in their end, it seems, like 90% of the game. Like, uh, I don't think their defensemen can make a breakout pass. I think they're going to, you know, dump the puck out a ton and let the other team in their zone a ton. So – uh, if you're a Sense fan, if you're Matt Murray, I think Matt Murray's going to be a very busy guy. Um, I, I, you know, Tampa's been kind of weird where, you know, Kucherov's not playing, you know, the one year that the Leafs aren't in that division. Um, so that's a bit, you know, bad timing, I guess, if you're a Leafs fan. But 
Uh, I do look at you know guys like Hoffman, Granlund going south of the border, and, and it seems like um, that's a positive sign for the Leafs because I was kind of scared that they you know maybe go to Boston or something. Or I guess Boston's not in the division, but maybe somewhere like you know Montreal or Winnipeg. Who knows? Um, I will say too with the Sens, like their draft has not looked good so far. I know Tim Stutzla looks great. I know that was kind of um, almost like a sure pick, but like Jake Sanderson Tyler, at five. Sanderson's been okay. I just I think Drysdale's been really good, so I still think Drysdale's a better player as of now. Uh, Robbie Gerventi has been bad. Like he's been one of the players where I thought I didn't really like that pick at the time. I was kind of lower on on him than most. Uh, I haven't really noticed him for Finland, um, though he is playing with Brad Lambert, who's been really good. Um, and then like Tyler Clevin, like you look at Clevin, like he's a, they traded two picks to get him. And, like, I know he had, like, a couple big hits, but he hasn't looked impressive. And then some of the other players they could have had, like Brock Faber has looked really good for USA. He went to pick after. Uh, Jan Misak looked really good for for uh, Czech Republic. The Habs took him at 48 a few picks later. That probably would have been my pick at 44. And then you look at a guy like like even Hervinen and, and, and Nimala. Like, those guys are, are playing better than, than Tyler Clevin. So um, I, I certainly think that Ottawa, with all their picks – um, you know, that's looking like a, a pretty poor draft already. Um, anything else in terms of, you know, I, I guess we're just both excited to kind of get going here. It seems like we're just a couple of weeks away now. Uh, it is going to be kind of interesting to see what happens. But I guess if you're a Leafs fan, for now, we're just hoping that Mikhail Bramov finds his way into the lineup. I know. And, and, like, the biggest thing with Ottawa for me was just, they, like, they had so many guys at that number five. Like, they could have walked away with Stutzla and Marco Rossi. Like, it, it just felt like one of those things where you get a forward with the third pick, and then now you have a pick two two picks later, and you take a defenseman. And you take the wrong defenseman, because I think Drysdale's better as well. So, I don't know. I, I felt like that draft, like, they had so many picks in good spots. Like, just looking at it now, they had another one there. They took Ridley Grigg at uh, twenty eight. I'm a fan of his game, though. Um, another one there. Four, five. They had five picks. Oh, six. Six picks in the top 50. And I really don't think they have as much as they, they could have. Um, I think that's obvious at this point. The other thing, you know, we're talking about praise that isn't really necessary. I think that just the amount of praise that Tampa gets right now in terms of this whole cap space, like, obviously they have... Um, kind of an advantage living in florida so we see contracts that are a lot lower than they should be but also like this thing with kucherov like pe- people are acting as if tampa has 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 dodged a bullet um by putting kucherov on ltir like if you're losing a really good player like kucherov's like a top 10 player in the whole league probably even higher so you're losing him for the full year like i just picture if the leafs caps troubles like the only way they were able to get out is if Austin Matthews sat out for a full year, like that would not be looking like people would be looking at Dubis. Like it wouldn't be like a positive thing. Like people would be so pissed that Matthews has to sit out the full year and that's the only way they can get under the the cap. But when Tampa does it, it's like, it's like some Houdini stuff going on. Yeah, I agree there completely. I think it'll be a bit frustrating. Like, I do want the best for Kucherov in terms of health, but I, I just it'll be a bit frustrating if he magically comes back at the start of, of the playoffs. For sure, yeah. Um, 
but you know what can you do? I I do think that you know it's not a good situation for Tampa that Kucherov is missing the season. As you said, like if Matthews missed the season, we wouldn't be doing cartwheels. Um, so I'm completely with, completely with you there. I do want to just go through the um, the 2020 draft. I'll say my thoughts. I want to kind of get your thoughts on on some of the players as well. So as I said, 17 of the, of the top 20 are are playing in this in this event. Lafreniere is not. The number two pick, Quinton Byfield, he has one secondary assist, I believe, through two games, uh, even though they scored 16 against Germany. So the only thing I'm going to say about him, I don't think he's been impressive. Um, I know he's the youngest player on the team. It's still early, but there's one thing that David Price, the old, like when he was on the Jays, I remember him saying is, if you don't like it, pitch better. And for Byfield, <laughs> if you don't like it, play better. Like, yes, the spotlight was going to be on him after – you know, he didn't do much in last year's tournament. He was a second overall pick. Uh, if you don't like it, if you don't want the criticism, score more than a second assist against Germany when your team scores 16. Like, you could have went out and scored. You're playing a shorthanded Germany team. You're, you're expected to have a few points in that game when your team scores 16. And then he was really kind of invisible um, in, in their game against Slovakia. I think he's been fine. I, I don't think we're going to be, like, from a prospect perspective, as we said with Kale McCarr, like, let's kind of chill on, on, on writing off Byfield. I think he's still going to be a heck of a player. But I do want to see more from him. I, I hope that more is on the horizon this tournament. I kind of want him to just silence everyone. Um, but that's on that's up to him. That's, that's all I'm going to say about Byfield. Anything you want to add on him? Yeah, it's funny because I texted you yesterday saying, like, like, what's going on with him? Why is he... Why doesn't he play very much? So, you know, I think I was even confused with, with just, like, the level that he's been playing so far at the at the World Juniors and uh, just how little he's played in general, like him being the fourth-line center. But like we were saying before, like, like we shouldn't be taking huge conclusions at, about them as a prospect. Like, like Byfield's still going to be a fantastic player. He's going to be a star in the league, uh, I think, sooner rather than later. But... Like, it's only been two games, and even after the whole tournament, if he has a bad tournament, it doesn't mean that he's a bad prospect. But I think that should almost be obvious. Uh, when I look at the, the whole 2020 draft, I just think it's been a really nice kind of start to the tournament for the second rounders. Like, guys like Murat Kuznadinov has been really nice. Um, Jan Misak, like you were saying earlier, with the Czechs have been good. I really like Jan Kuznetsov's game with, um, with Russia. Um, Vasily Ponorayev. Yes, too. I'm just gonna mention him. Vasily Ponorayev. I butcher that name there, but um, yeah. and I'm trying to think if there's anyone else here. I would say I would say Brock Faber. I know mm-hmm. you know he's looked really good as a shutdown guy. He was up against Amirov a lot in that game. He's he's a really good skater. There's one. Other... I think Patur- Paterka, Paterka. That's too, the one. But... Yep. Yeah, he's he's been you know it's been him and Stutzla in terms of the Germany games. Um, obviously, they didn't have a good one against Canada, but I thought that they really stood out there. So I think it's just been a really nice kind of start to the tournament for these second rounders. Yeah, I agree with you there. I know, like, part of it maybe they have lower expectations, so we just you know see them more positively. That's true. But, yeah, uh, I do think yeah. So like, Byfield certainly hasn't stood out all that much yet. Uh, Stutzla has, as we mentioned off the top. Uh, Lucas Raymond, he didn't really do much against, uh, I think they beat the Czechs. Yeah, I didn't watch the Sweden like games yet. His team did well, but he's only played one game. Like, I'm sure him and Holtz will dominate against Austria. I'm just not going to give him much credit for that. Um, we'll see. Like, I have no concerns about Raymond. We know what Holtz is. They just haven't really, like, stood out yet. That's kind of my point. 
Sanderson hasn't really stood out yet. Uh, I think he's been fine, but, you know, nothing special. Drysdale kind of has, though, um, you know, they haven't faced very tough teams yet. Uh, Jack Quinn has been kind of invisible. You know, it's kind of funny. He started on the first line, and he doesn't even play first line in Ottawa. So I was kind of surprised about that. Uh, like, he's fine. I don't know if he's eighth overall pick. Good, but, you know, he's. I don't think he stood out in a positive way. Rossi, because he's on Austria, it's tough to really say much. I don't think he's really, you know, dominated or anything. Uh, Perfetti's looked fine, but, again, he's kind of lacks explosiveness. Uh, he hasn't really, you know stood out compared to the other Canada forwards all that much. I think that line's been good. I just don't think, like, like I don't think we're talking about Cole Perfetti that should have been, like, a top four pick uh, or anything. Like, he's, he's kind of been as expected. I already said about Askarov, and I think I'm not as impressed with him as, as maybe you are. They're just taking a cautious approach there. Lindell's been good. Uh, Holloway is, hasn't really stood out. I know he missed the one game. Uh, Mirov's just kind of been as expected, hasn't really stood out. Gooley hasn't really stood out. I think he's been solid, but, you know, nothing special. Uh, Mercer kind of has, so, you know, maybe it, he's off to a good start. We'll see what happens. Uh, of course, Schneider gets himself <laughs> suspended, like, two minutes in. Um, so he's played two minutes. And then Muka Madulin, I thought, was was just brutal. He was really good against Canada, and then just brutal last night, where it's like, I don't even think I'd take this guy in the seventh round. That's I, how bad he was I couldn't stand watching night. him yesterday. That pivot was hor- he meant to of Andrew Nielsen, where it's like he's got a really hard shot. He can move the puck, but you know he's gonna make a big mistake and his skating will kill him. That's what it seems like. Yeah, the, um, the pivot was brutal and just the decision at the line was brutal. I, I just can't stand defensemen that like pick one. You either you either attack the guy at the line or you skate back as fast as you can so you don't get beat. He was kind of in between and then got burned for it. Yeah, and that team in general is just bad point shot after bad point shot. Let's just let's shoot the puck in the shin pads as much as we possibly can, and we'll see if that helps us score goals. So, it, and then you look at like I guess the the last guys in the in the first round. Most of them aren't playing. Like Weisblatt, Borg, I'm going down up. Uh, Brisson's got a nice goal in the power play. That's kind of what he does. I don't know about his five on five game. Greg's not playing. Perot's not playing. Neighbors isn't playing. I think Barron's looked pretty good. Um, Zari's looked okay, hasn't really stood out. Forrester's not playing, Lapierre's not playing. Chinikov's looked okay, kind of like Brisson, or he's got a good shot on the power play. We'll see what else. Um, one thing I was kind of curious about, I had Barron, I believe I had Barron ahead of, I know I had him ahead of Schneider, I think I had him ahead of Gouli as well. Um, he missed half the year last year with injuries, and he was playing on a bottom team, so... Um, you know, for most people, he was in the second round. I had him as a first-round pick. Colorado got him. I have liked him. Uh, one thing I'm just checking, just kind of for my own sake, is I just want to see if I, st- after, at the end of the tournament, if I still would have had Baron ahead of them. He was really good at the under-18. I just think he's a better puck mover than the, than the two of them. Uh, he's still quite big. Um, but Colorado, with, with New Hook, with Bar- with Byram, and now Baron, and, you know, who else? I don't know who Jean-Luc else. Jean-Luc Foody, and then they have New Hook. Like, it's... I think Byram and Newhook have been like some of the better players on Canada, and of course they're both with Colorado. Like they don't, yeah, they they can't have more good players. Like we need to, there needs to be a cap on that. I think. Yeah. So hopefully we get to see some Braden Schneider in action. I know he's back from suspension now. I actually like. I think Jordan Spence is good. I think he should play. I don't know if that means scratching Korzak or what happened to Schneider, but uh, I, I certainly don't have any regrets with the Mira pick yet. Um, 
you know, you compare him to guys like Holloway, I think he's been actually better than Holloway. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be an exciting tournament. Uh, in terms of one last thought before we get out of here, Nick, in terms of some predictions. So I know we made our predictions on the last episode in terms of the World Juniors, but Canada has lost Kirby Dock. Do you still think Canada is going to be the favorite for gold? Uh, yeah, I do think so. I had Russia in second, um, which now after yesterday... Their, their route there is going to be a lot more difficult, uh, especially if they finish second in the group, because then they have to face Canada, and my prediction wouldn't even, can't even come true. But um, We'll see. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, like Finland in third, I, I think they've had a strong start. They look like they're, they're, they're looking pretty good, so I'll say Canada's still first, though, even without Doc. Okay. I think it's just so much more even now without Doc, but... Um, it's kind of going to be anyone's tournament. It's going to be fun. It's going to be kind of exciting to see what happens with the group. Like if Canada has to play a really good fourth seed in the quarterfinals, it could get interesting if they just have a really tough road, um, or they could have a real easy road and and you know walk away with gold. So uh, it's certainly an exciting time. We're also going to have uh, some some Leafs podcast coming up soon. I'm sure Nick because the season's starting in a couple weeks here. Um, but we'll have to we'll have to touch base on the World Juniors again. Uh, thanks as always, and thanks everyone for listening.